Did I tell you I had a... Oh, I hate myself so much, but I had a bad day at work and I went to Ross and bought decorative pillows. Like, I don't even... I live in a basement. I don't need decorative pillows. That sounds amazing. Decorative pillows... What else are you going to, like, hold when you're sitting on the couch and you don't want to rest your arms on anything else? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Hey, I'm Erica. And I'm Alex. And this is No Rhyme or Refill, a poetry and pints podcast. To get started, let's crack open a beer and a book. Okay, so on today's episode, the beer we are talking about is the uh, Old Stock Ale from North Coast Brewing Company. And what is special about this one is it is the 2016 batch. So this beer has been chilling out for five years. What? Why? Yeah. Um, This was actually a gift to me from my friend Keith. Okay. He has uh, bought me like the old stock ales throughout the years and just kind of like, like giving them a try you know, after they've aged one year, two years, three years, whatever. And he gave this to me as a gift when we were moving out of Birmingham. Uh-huh. Because he was like, from what I've found, the fa- like around that five-year range is when it's like my preferred age on the beer. Okay. And so, yeah. And so I was saving it for a special occasion, but it just like, I don't know. It didn't feel special to just like drink it on the porch. Excuse me. And it was like at first I was like, oh, I'll just enjoy it while we're in our temporary place. It's like a reminder of like my really good friends in Birmingham. And then I was like, I mean, it's the middle of summer. I really don't want to <laughs> don't drink want- like a like a barley wine. And then, yeah. um, and then I was like, oh, then I'll drink it like when we move into the house. And like our um real estate agent gave us a bottle of champagne as like a congratulations you bought a house gift and we literally it took us like two months to drink it um (laughs) so like obviously i hadn't but then today when i was like okay what is a brewery that we haven't done what is a beer that like i'd be really interested to drink but i don't have to go out and buy yeah (laughs) here it is folks that is how the decision (laughs) oh my gosh if if I saw a beer that was, like, from 2016, my naive self would be like, it's bad. It's gone bad. I'm sure <laughs> of it. <laughs> Even after all these beer lessons you've given me. <laughs> no, I totally get it. Because it's one of those things where, I mean, if you have a one-and-a-half-year-old IPA, honestly, in some cases, a one-year-old IPA, it's not good. And, like, you can tell the difference. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's one thing I, because I know on one of our, like, first, like, probably first 20 episodes, I talked about another beer that I was like, oh, I would love to have this and, like, hold on to it for several years. Yeah. But I just don't have the self-control to really do that, to, like, age beer properly. And I don't have the facilities for it, if we're being totally honest. Um, Good point, yeah. Like, living... Living in a tiny apartment in Birmingham did not, it, we didn't have the closet space to hide a bunch of beers <laughs> and let them age. Yeah, um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. But that is where I kind of wanted to start today's conversation is just in general, the concept of aging beers. So, um, yes, like I said, you know, obviously IPAs, you want to drink fresh and most beer you really want to have fresh. It's not the same as wine. But um, one thing that to look for if you're one of the first questions if you're looking to potentially age a beer or hold on to it for several years is the ABV. Um, you want your beer to be stronger, like around 7 to 9%, just because A, those are going to have the flavors that will stand up to the test of time. And also um, because like they have the chance to evolve over time. Like they're normally like the high alcohol kind of, for lack of a better word, protects the beer mm. um, and like protects those flavors. But also you might get a beer the first year that it's like the year it's brewed and you can drink it, but it's going to be like really bourbony or really like you have that burn of alcohol. And then that can like mellow out over the years. It's kind of like how whiskey and stuff I can't. I can only think of life metaphors right now. This is like about age. Please share your life metaphors. Like how you have to be strong to age. <laughs> how you mellow out with age. There's so many <laughs> cringeworthy things I could say. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> it's okay. I was going to make the joke with you mellow out with age. Just tell that to my political views. <laughs> dun dun. <laughs> and then the other note is when it comes to aging beer it's always kind of a gamble because you might get a beer that in it hits all of the ideals of what how beer can age well but like you can have environmental factors that negatively impact the beer it could have just been a batch that maybe didn't age as well as other years like you definitely not the case with this beer in particular but let's say like okay so 2016 amazing but say the 2017 if someone were to have it next year they'd be like eh, didn't age as well as i thought it would that can always happen and also you might yeah. be a person who doesn't like the taste of the beer after it ages maybe you like those like really in your face flavors to start off i don't know hmm. yeah um so there's a but also involved <laughs> there there can be um i think less so with beers like this that are uh barley wines and more so with like wild ales because even with like wild ales they can their flavor can completely change which we talked about on last episode um like but that being said this beer has aged beautifully in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> um so like i said it is the old stock ale the 2016 variety the abv is 11.8 um, and it is a 12 ounce bottle that I have and will be holding on to. So does that, does the beer just taste like pure alcohol? No, it doesn't. That's where it comes in with like the aging part of the beer. Um, so it smells like, it smells like it would taste really heavy on the alcohol honestly really <laughs> like you really get those like it's like a bourbony note to it kind uh -huh. of like those um deeper fruity notes yeah and alcohol fumes i don't know i'm so <laughs> i feel like i've 
we've been doing this podcast for years and I just get worse. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, there, there comes a moment where you're just like, I've said this before. <laughs> Is this right? I feel that too. <laughs> yeah. But so it's, but it's also one of those things where it's really sweet. I'm trying to think of a good, uh, alcohol comparison that someone might have encountered before because I feel like a whiskey or a bourbon you have to get pretty highbrow to reach a smell like this but it does remind me of it um and one thing that I thought was interesting is in the aroma notes that I like have looked up of what other people said they get like a tropical fruit scent okay which I don't see as much. I or I don't. I don't personally get as much. I get a lot more of the like caramelly notes, like toffee. Yeah. Um, kind of like a almost like a raisin note. Mm. Like where it's you know it's fruity, but it's also like that dried, <laughs> like the molassesy like tack. This smell just makes me think of something that would be sticky. Oh, okay. So like you, from your face, I feel like that was a really gross <laughs> description. But it's like you know, like raisins or like a syrup, things like that, like Apricots? that molassesy. No, <laughs> I was eating some quite maybe dried apricots. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry, dried. Yeah, yeah, like dried fruit mm-hmm. or like maple syrup or something. Yeah. It just makes me think of things that tend, or even like a caramel candy or a toffee, like they're just sticky, like stick in your teeth, but yeah. at the same time, they're not too sweet. So, yeah, it doesn't, um, it doesn't stick to your teeth, right? No, it doesn't okay. stick to my teeth. <laughs> it's not like we should clarify. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then color wise, it's like this really pretty, like ruby golden color, like I don't know. I guess it's it's amber, like the appropriate color <laughs> is amber. But um, it's like depending on the light, it either looks like really like pretty deep red, or it can look like a little gold. So it's very it's a very attractive beer. Um, and taste wise, like it really just it echoes the scent notes really well. There, um, I've definitely had some like bourbon barrel aged stouts before that are punch you in the mouth with like bourbon yeah and you feel like you took a swig of whiskey off of it whereas this is like a i don't know it's just like there's definitely a little bit of bite but it hits the back of the sip instead of it being like in your face so it's like you take a sip you get the caramel notes you get the toffee notes you get like those really sweet molassesy flavors and then it's like before it gets too sweet i'm gonna remind you that there's almost 12 percent alcohol in this. <laughs> and it burns a bit yeah yeah well not like a burn burn but yeah like and it's like that burn that lets you know it's higher abv or something it's not quite a burn it's yeah I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> it. It warms. I think, okay, instead of a burn, it's like a warming. Okay. Like yeah. A, yeah. So it's not like a, um, it's so smooth, which I wish that I, I don't wish that I drank more whiskey, but I wish I had a better comparison to it. Um, but it's one of those things where it's just like, 
there's the balance like it's just very well balanced um i should have stalked or stalked 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 looked at i should have looked at what more people said like how they like stalked yeah them. you get what i'm trying no, to say i just feel like i'm saying it wrong you're, i think you're um, just thinking about it too much and so you're Right. You're thinking about like the phonetics of it too much. I think I say stock. Um, stock. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, stock. 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 But anyways, it's just it's very like you can tell it was a well done beer to begin with, but it's like gotten a chance to mellow to where it's just like a really pleasant sipping beer mm-hmm. that almost feels like it would be like a like an after dinner cocktail like but yeah this very like thankful to my friend Keith for giving this to me it was a wonderful gift and it's just so nice um and delicious and I'm glad to share it with the folks on the pod and if anyone like has listened or has listened if anyone has uh held on to beers for several years let us know, like, what beer it was, how long you held on to it for, and if you're still holding on to it, why? Like, is it for an occasion, or is it for a certain age? Or if you're not, um, and you, like, drank it, let me know what what beer it was when you drank it, and what it was like playing it after age. I love the patience and, like, the lack of patience that could be involved in this. Really interesting. Yeah. I feel like unless you have an out-of-sight, out-of-mind situation, it would be so hard to resist. (laughs) Yeah. Having a beer. uh, When I buy myself a treat, which is often, I want it immediately. (laughs) Like, there's there's no tomorrow. (laughs) So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, I've got to give this beer a five. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I think it's like one of fewer than five fives, but uh-huh. just the time that it would take to like save this beer and the experience of drinking a beer that's five years old, I feel like really contributes to the writing, but it's also just, it's so delicious and it's feels very fall and it feels it's just satisfying um and like the flavors and the balance and everything's spot on and to have to still be spot on five years after brewing meaning that it took some like real mastery in the initial brewing process yeah wow we've reached excellence with a five (laughs) (laughs) that's it we're done we're good this is it y'all All right, so today <laughs> we're going to talk about Chen Chen, the fame Chen Chen. A lot of my favorite people have um, loved Chen Chen, and I've seen his poems circulated like in classrooms and stuff like that. Um, so this is, this is his book, his first book. 
just like a big oh like wow so this book is called when i grew up i want to be a list of further possibilities and it was published in 2017 um and it's boe editions which is um publishes a lot of cool books cage's book that we've read was published Mm -hmm. through them um i think they have like one winner each year that gets like a big book like this not a chat book um so every time i I just think about the fact that i did not know you were saying chat book and i was just like chat book with a t (laughs) oh yeah i forgot about that (laughs) um okay so i'm gonna read uh like a little bit from his website um Oh, yeah, he has a new book coming out. Um, Chin Chin's second book of poetry, Your Emergency Contact Has Experienced an Emergency. <laughs> what a great title. Is forthcoming in, from BOE Editions again in September 2022. Um, and then his debut book, this one, uh, was longlisted for the National Book Award and won the uh, Tom Gunn Award, among many other honors. And he is the author of four chapbooks and then, ooh, a forthcoming book of essays soon. Amazing. He also edits a journal, Underblong, which is a really cool, really cool journal. And um, he lives with his partner, Jeff Gilbert, and their pug, Mr. Rupert Giles, <laughs> which has a link which is really fun. He, he definitely has his own Instagram. We all know this. We, we'll have to tag the pug in our post. <laughs> yeah, we should. Like, you're not a millennial if your pet doesn't appear on Instagram often or has their own Instagram. Yeah. So, wait, is Chen Chen a, a millennial? I think so. Let me double check. Um, I hate successful millennials. Even no way. He's so many of them these days. Yeah, I know. Wait, he's thirty-two, so he's okay. eighty-nine. So that means is he a millennial? Solid, no. solidly millennial. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, Pete Buttigieg is a millennial, and he's forty. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So <laughs> that's only four um, years older than us, Alex. I know. He's four years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Chen Chen is a really voice-driven poet, which is cool. Chen Chen also writes a lot about identity, um, but his the incredible part of this book is just, like, he sustains this voice the whole time that is just so, like, whimsical, and, um, and this is just, like, such a beautiful collection. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this book so much, and I taught some, I didn't own this book when I taught him in my classes <laughs> at mm-hmm. UM, actually, but I did teach um, one of his poems, and everyone always enjoyed it, um, so, yeah, it's just so cool that he was such a young, he's such a young poet, and he's had such a big impact, so we're going to start off by reading the poem West of Schenectady, which is in New York. Um Okay, it's one of my favorites by him. And most importantly, it was just so hard to choose poems per usual. (laughs) And I think this poem does, like, a really good job of encapsulating, like, 
who he is as an artist. I really spent some time on this book this weekend. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The sun sets like a whispered regret behind the hills, or is it a mountain? Moths come to the screen door as if that was what they were made for. Moth for screen door. And vice versa. I don't have time for their secrets tonight. I am making my loneliness small. So small it fits on a postcard a baby rabbit could eat. The sun sets like an expensive fragrance. Like the memory of a neck. The coyotes come, but they don't know I've named that rabbit. Stay away. St stay far. The sun sets like a new regret. Like a flute I am learning to play, and I'm bad at it. Progress is slow. It's like saying tapioca pudding into the phone, and the phone doesn't work. I just want its weight pressed against my ear until my ear is sticky. I'm in the mood for facts. Big globs of them. Big adult rabbits of science. There's a town in upstate New York called Esperance, where the gravity works fine. Esperance, New York, as if Hope, in French, is a higher quality hope, made of jewels and brie. The sun sets like a science special I hated once. With that first Sentence line, I got the, funny. like, <laughs> the, um, whimsy. Yeah. <laughs> Behind yeah. the hills, or is that a mountain? Like, sets yeah. the tone. Yeah, no, I think the most, one of the most brilliant parts is when a book can, like, break your heart, but also be so, like, fucking funny. <laughs> no, like, that last line is hilarious. The sun sets like a science special I hated once. That just... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's like, it blends together this, like, shrinking of self and this also like sadness and memory like the like the memory of a neck it's like you you know what sort of people whose necks you smell it's like a lover it's someone you were so close with and it's just like yep. little little bits of like sadness and nostalgia and longing and then like joking and yeah commentary exactly like that is such a tiny line but it kind of like both takes us out of the poem and puts us in the poem in this really incredible way that I, I really appreciate. He's all over the place and it's really wonderful and there are no like boundaries and I love that. To me, what he said, like most of it, I don't know, it just like makes sense. Like I don't really need to look into it. Yeah. I, it, words. Yeah. Um. <laughs> As someone who also, like, is a poet and writes poetry, is it intimidating to see someone who's, like, so boundless with their poetry? I would say it's more inspiring than intimidating. Like, I wrote down in my journal the other day, like, write the kind of poetry that you read where you know 100% that the poet had fun writing. Um, and that and that can even be about a really dark subject, right? Um, yeah. But when I read all of his work, it's like, yeah, this this poem had to be fun to write. And it took, like, 
strange instances and created a whole new thing that I really don't think anyone else besides him could have created. Um, so no, it just, it pushes me to not, like, be so worried about making sense <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love, I'm in the mood for facts. Big globs of them. Big adult rabbits of science. Because we are all stupid big adult rabbits of science. Yeah, in this grand experiment of life. Yeah. I, the, it's like saying tapioca pudding into the phone got me. And then it was like, that's a thought. Like, there's a period at the end of that. Right. But then it comes and it's like, and the phone doesn't work. As if it was a continued sentence. And I don't know. Tapioca pudding. It's like, yeah, it's kind of sexual. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know why, it but it is. It's sticky. <laughs> but then it's, yeah, it's a whole new meaning when it's, like, the phone doesn't work. So you're just saying it's the air. Yeah. It's, it's like, why are funny. you saying it? Where did you get this from? But also, why do I relate to it, even though I've never thought it was <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the next poem I want to read um, by him is he does a lot of foreign poems, like a lot of just like common foreign poems. What I do you, think. What does that mean? Like form poem? Is that like A B A B A B or? Um, no, it's just any kind of form. So, like for example, um, we're gonna read "Ode to My Envy." So an ode is a form poem. The other one I thought about reading was Elegy for My Sadness. Mm-hmm. It's like an elegy. Okay. So an, yeah, so it's not... I guess when I when I was in school here, form just encompassed anything with any kind of structure. <laughs> gotcha. So, um, yeah. So do you know about odes, Erica? I guess we've talked about them on the pod, but too. <laughs> Can you refresh my memory? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in the Pablo Neruda episode, right, we read some odes, and it's like you write, you're you writing a poem to, it's typically to, like, an object or, like, to something. Um, yeah. I do remember that. Um, so it's a lyrical poem in the form of an address to a particular subject. Uh, cool, I was close enough. <laughs> um, I would say you were spot on. You just used different words. Thank you. Um, okay, so this one is called Ode to My Envy, and it just felt really nice to see this written <laughs> out. And because I don't know, especially how isolated we've been this year, it's really, I get to taking myself really seriously sometimes. It's like, oh man, just need to be reminded. So, Ode to My Envy. I'm envious of my neighbors who live in a cooler house. I'm envious of Neruda for having written better poems and for having lived in a cooler house. I'm envious of poetry for being more and better than I could ever be. I'm envious of the Redwood who never has to say I am and he will out and who will outlive me. I'm envious of those who can consistently resist pseudo-Buddhist romanticizations of non-human entities. 
I'm envious of the clouds who can, from time to time, fall completely apart. And everyone just says, it's raining. And someone might even bring cats and dogs into it. No one says, stop being so dramatic, or you should see a professional. My envy despises your more dramatic and photogenic envy. My envy desires Olympic gymnast Janelle Leva's abs. My envy wants to have and be most Olympic athletes. My envy would be willing to settle for those who did not make it to the podium. Every day I get increasingly envious of my friend who dresses so smartly, of my friend who's more political, of my friend who says, oh, that's good enough, why am I stressing out, and means it, and stops stressing, and is happy. I'm envious of my friend who's envious of me because he actually wants something I have. I'm envious of those who learn life lessons from their envy. I'm envious of jealous God and those who always know the difference between envy and jealousy. I'm envious of jealous God because although he's been dead for ages, everyone keeps caring about him, or at least saying his name, and God knows who will do that for me 10, 20 years after I go. What do you think? You didn't need to attack me like this, Alex. <laughs> Jesus it's Chin Christ. Chin. It's not me. <laughs> you picked it. <laughs> oh my god. That, uh, on a very, like, on the 100% putting myself in the poem note, it's of my friend who's more political, of my friend who says, oh, that's good enough, why am I stressing out, and means it, and stops stressing, and is right? happy. I was like... <laughs> Oh, ouch. <laughs> in the fucking heart. It's so relatable and so poetic. And I, I love that envy becomes this, this whole damn thing, basically. <laughs> yeah. I'm envious of someone who was able to eloquently voice my thoughts that I can't even right. eloquently voice. <laughs> that I can't even voice. Yeah. Chen were envious. Lines where he's talking about the Olympic gymnasts. The fact mm-hmm. that that, uh, that ends with my envy wants to have and be most Olympic athletes. Like that there's a break between those lines is yeah. also. Uh, so I good. Get, so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's so much like building on in this poem Mm -hmm. and i really wanted to i feel like if i was reading this poem like in my chair by myself on a rainy day or something like that (laughs) but i read the part where it's like i'm envious of the clouds who can from time to time completely fall apart and everyone just says it's raining i would have to like put the book down and cry and then come back to the poem oh my gosh that line hits so hard like when I was reading it out loud just then I was like oh my gosh I don't I don't remember that hitting so hard the first time but it had to right (laughs) ah it's just so beautifully and painfully put (laughs) yeah and like um part of an ode isn't having this like um repeated phrase or anything but I think it works so well that he chose to repeat the phrase because it like it felt there was like a heaviness or a building. Mm-hmm. 
where the envy was yeah it was a lot by the end and i i do think it's also there's like a silliness and a and a deep darkness when like being jealous of god like <laughs> you yeah. know of a jealous god <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i also i think the silliness for at least for me as a non-religious person like comes through with the like i'm envious of a jealous god because even although he's been dead for ages everyone keeps caring about him and just the idea yeah. of like something that's dead still being jealous feels really silly to me um but it's also right. like it does have kind of a sadness and a futility to being like envious of a higher power right that just shows how silly envy can be. Exactly. I think, yeah, there's some, like, taking back of... Because envy can be really powerful and can take a lot of power from you, I feel like. I don't know. I get to compare myself all the time. Yeah. And we should all write this poem. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've last minute decided I just sent you a link. Um, so this is the first poem in the book and it's like the poem before the section poems you know so it's kind of supposed to encapsulate the whole book and this was the poem that i taught in class two and i think we should read it so um self-portrait has so much potential dreaming of one day being as fearless as a mango as friendly as a tomato merciless to chin and shirt front Realizing I hate the word sip, but that's all I do. I drink so slowly and say I'm tasting it when I'm just bad at taking in liquid. I'm no mango or tomato. I'm a rusty yawn in a rumored year. I'm an arctic attic. Come amble and ampersand in the slippery polar clutter. I am not the heterosexual neat freak my mother raised me to be. I am a gay sipper, and my mother has placed what's left of her hopes on my brothers. She wants them to gulp up the world, spit out solid degrees, responsible grandchildren ready to gobble. They will be better than mangoes, my brothers, though I have trouble imagining what that could be. Flying mangoes, perhaps. Flying mango-tomato hybrids. Beautiful sons. I love that poem so much. <laughs> I feel like it does really encapsulate even what the title of the book is saying. So when I grow yeah. up, I want to be a list of further possibilities. If that's not your late 20s, early 30s, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah. I would also love to hear, like, in teaching that poem, what sort of reactions did you get? Because you said the students loved it, but, like, what... Well, I love it. I don't know if the students loved it. I think, okay, I think some students loved it. Well, the first reaction was a little, was funny. It was that I didn't realize you could do poems double-spaced. <laughs> I, I was like, once again, there is no rules for poetry. <laughs> and they're I like, like uh-uh. Right, they're like, there's rules. Like, and I was like, no. Uh, so they really, so we talked a lot about, and I know 
those listening can't see it, but it's a double space poem. And so we talked about like what that space meant for the poem mm-hmm. and why he did that. Um, and that was, and like how that can be a powerful tool for writing. Why do you think he double spaced it, Erica? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like to me, it's, It's one of those things where it's kind of like these thoughts just come to you and you're piecing together the thoughts as you're putting them down on paper and it all makes sense, but it's like, it takes you a little bit to get there. And that's why there's a few thoughts in there that maybe like feel weird. Like I'm no mango or tomato. I'm a rusty yawn in a rumored year. It's like, okay, I was with you. You lost me for a second. Okay. We're back. Like that Uh kind of vibe. Um, that's cool. It's essentially, yeah, we talked about that, that it kind of makes you read it slower mm-hmm. and it puts more emphasis on each line um, kind of as its own thing. There are really strange moments like that uh, rusty yawn and a rumor gear and an Arctic attic mm-hmm. that the form of double spacing and kind of giving that space feels right to me. Yeah. Um, and I also also think it's just tension. It puts, it puts, it shows that literally shows the tension that Chen Chen is writing about or the speaker is writing about with their mother and their brothers and being a certain way. If you were to squish it all together, I think it, you would read it fast and you wouldn't, I don't know. It also feels like it might be overwhelming read too fast. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think oh we this was for the unit that was like self portrait poems. So I was um really encouraging them cuz I mean that's a whole another thing I guess we could talk about is like self portrait as so much potential. Like if you took away that title from this poem like mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we'd be a little lost. <laughs> Yeah, I think so, too. Because you would wonder what the ruminating is coming from. Why? Right. Yeah, so I think we talked about how it grounds it in a really important way. And, like, when you do a self-portrait poem, which is, like, something that everyone assigns. Like, it's always assigned. It's it's one of the things. And just, like, to make it weird, like like he did you know as so much potential what does that mean to you flying mango tomatoes okay (laughs) (laughs) so yeah all right finally did it i finally got chen chen's book and it was beyond satisfying (laughs) i feel like i'm in podcast host mode but i'm like i would love to hear from anyone who's listened to the episodes and then like purchased one of the books or gotten the book from their library um, yeah. If there are any poetry books or beers, I guess, <laughs> that uh-huh. you've tried because you heard us talk about them. Yeah, I would too. Like, really. That would be so cool. Yeah. Um, also, it's my turn for Girl Crush, right? Yeah, it is. Do you have one? Okay. Um. Thank God I've been reading lately. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my girl crush this week 
is a Robin Wall Kimmerer, K-I-M-M-E-R-E-R. And she is the author of Braiding Sweetgrass, which I finally bought um, from our local bookstore here in Missoula that I love, Fact and Fiction. And um, it has been such an incredible read so so far. And she is a mother, a scientist, a professor, and an enrolled member of the Citizen Potawatomi Nation, and so basically this is a book that I think it was on the top 10 audiobooks for a while, but I'm actually, like, actually reading it this time. (laughs) Um, It's a book that combines um, kind of memoir things from her childhood, as well as, and her growing up into an incredible scientist, um, into uh, the way she's learned how to interact with the land and study the land relating to like indigenous cultures versus the American scientific way, the Western way. Um, And it's been really cool and just totally opening my eyes to, it's like, oh, hey, the way we do science is sort of like sterile, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like so beautiful. Mainly her writing is just like so so lovely and it just feels like we're entering into this magical world and I just the proper book title is Braiding Sweetgrass Indigenous Wisdom Scientific Knowledge and the Teaching of Plants and it was released in 2013 and then in 2020 they re-released it so oh cool and that's why it's kind of having a moment in this last year so yeah super super recommend people read it man she's such an engaging storyteller and that's like her whole thing too it's like the stories that come with nature are like what makes it important too so um yeah because i know with like a lot of first nations and like individuals and like indigenous people in the u.s at least like everything has a spirit it's like you yeah. know the land and creatures and things like that. Rocks, it's not like everything. I'm the thing with a spirit that is observing all of these dumb things. It's like everything does, and I feel like that creates such a nice balance in the world because you res- yeah. you have more respect for stuff, whether it's a tree or a rock or something with eyeballs. Like, right? Yeah, and I just and you know I've just been like looking at things differently a little bit since reading and that's like you know the sign of a really really great book (laughs) and it's just it's it's so weird like everything could teach us things all day long if I just paid attention (laughs) (laughs) and so it's been cool to like look and see oh look at that bird like I wonder why it does that oh it probably does that because of that because this is how indigenous cultures like figured out how to live so so cool super recommended (laughs) yeah (laughs) well this has been no rhyme with you phil um yeah poetry and pines podcast it's been great (laughs) this episode (laughs) follow us on social media (laughs) i know i'm a refill or me at alex abc (laughs) You can also follow me, Erica, at Girl Meets Beer, A-T-H. And if you have any 
beer or poetry recommendations, shoot them over to us at um, norummerrefill at gmail.com. And also, if you're looking to gift poetry books to someone in your life this year, make sure to go ahead and pre-order them from your favorite indie bookstore because the book world is having major supply chain issues and that way you can support local, but also make sure you get your gifts wrapped on time or treat yourself to something special. Yeah, or both. Hell yeah. Yeah, both. Do both. I'm going to do both. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great... That's a great reminder, truly. 